Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, geniuses. This week's podcast is actually a conversation Tatiana Fallon and I had after we finished recording her presentation for the 2024 Realizing Genius homeschool conference that's coming up in February. And as Tati and I can do, we just kept talking. (laughs) So I thought it would be really interesting for you to hear our conversation. It focuses on becoming human, becoming more human and helping our kids become more human in the face of all of the technology that AI is bringing into our world think that the future of AI can be scary for a lot of people, but I think it's more exciting and encouraging. I do think we have to be aware of the technology and we definitely have to be more serious about making sure we're teaching our students and our children to be more aware of what it means to be human. And I think that is really only accomplished as we encourage our children to spend time in the classics and to be learning really what it means to have a be a great liberal artist and really encourage the liberal arts to become more of the foundation of what we teach our students and how we teach them okay you thank you so much tati i love that um no so this was really focused on liberal arts and i mean that's like an old concept it's and you're not talking about like the way a liberal arts school might be doing things today how is it a little bit the classic liberal arts how is that different um so the idea of liberal um it comes from the book the word liber which comes from the same root as you see from like library and liberty um but it was the roman word for uh tree bark which they used to write down with, right? So the idea of liberal arts is the knowledge necessary for you to engage in contract to preserve your freedom. Um, And so the idea of liberal arts now is like stupid classes you have to take in order your generals, right? When you're in college, (laughs) you take your generals and you you do those things. But um, I think the great book series, if you don't, you know, anything about liberal arts is a great place to start because, um, you know, they have like, they have everything from like Chaucer to Shakespeare to Moliere, which, you know, your great playwrights and poets to, you know, Aristotle and, and Plato and, um, their great thinkers like Bacon and, um, they don't have Nietzsche in there, which I think is interesting. Uh, <laughs> I would have put Nietzsche in there, but like your great philosophers like Montesquieu and Locke and Hume, um, so they're philosophers, but they also have Copernicus and um, Euclid, and so it's it's not only it's your maths and sciences and philosophy and um, but it's like the original works. Like I don't think you can say that you have a liberal arts education if you haven't read the original works. Um, they also have like 
literature classics like they have uh Cervantes and I don't think that they have um when I'm thinking about it I don't think they have Hugo but they do have Dumas I think so I don't know like they have a whole article as to why they put them as the, as the great books and what they consider the great books and what they consider not to be but um, but like that's a place that I would start um and and I think that would be a really awesome place to start is there if you're looking at your own education if you're looking at your children's education then I think uh, a way to get great liberal arts for your students is, is just really immerse them into classics and there's appropriate classics for children that and you can just look at like Charlotte Mason if you went to Charlotte Mason and just pulled up a list of all of her classics like she's got a great list of classics or at least that like Ambleside they have great list of classics also uh, Thomas Jefferson education or leadership education they have a, a appendix in the back of that book that's just tons of classics like you can go there and and if literally if all you did was just read classics with your children and had like just like classics that was what you built your curriculum off of you would be amazed as to the quality of their education out of a year of just reading classics so so don't go out and buy the thousand dollar boxed curriculum set <laughs> yeah I personally have I mean I've done that I have I don't think I've spent a thousand dollars but I've definitely <laughs> bought curriculum and then I'm just like this is so stupid like <laughs> um it definitely doesn't work for my personality and it doesn't work for my children at least the children I have now they might work for my younger ones but um it's just busy work I feel like it's just so much busy work and to me I think there's definitely a place for busy work like there's no getting around the fact that you have to like memorize your math tables and you have to memorize that you know a makes you know an a and e together say you know <laughs> certain sounds like you do have to have that certain rote memorization but beyond that i don't really feel how like vast amounts of workbook pages is going to help your child really understand you know the animal world outside or you know other aspects of history or you know that's just a really boring way to to learn in my opinion and not very connected or interconnected you know so if you read I it just had my my daughter just read uh Tom Sawyer and we had an amazing discussion about the history of slavery and what happened and like it was amazing like we had a great history lesson based off of that right and she's not going to forget that because she has a story that she was like in enriched in and fully invested in while she was reading that and so now that's history that's that's imprinted on her but i could have just had a work but history of like what happened to the slaves in the 1870s or you know like not slaves yeah they weren't slaves then but but they were treated you know poorly and so i, th I think the classics because they 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 connect with us on a human level really empower us to educate on a depth that it, it's not easily forgotten. You know, I just had a, my niece who just read Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, which is a really controversial book these days, sad, but she had to read it for a class that she's in or uh, she's taking one of the Lenny's projects and then she wrote a paper about it and blew my mind what she learned from that book. It was absolutely amazing. Um, she was like, I would never be the same person again. Um, and it was, you know, it was a book about you know it's a two it's like 150 years old right it's an old book 
but the things, everything she was applying to what she was seeing in today's world and the relationships she has with people and the way that people are treated in today's, like, it was just amazing how she could make all those connections. So I think classics, honestly, just find a way to implement those into your home on a weekly basis and encourage your children to just to read and to, to go into them. Well, that is awesome. Thank you so much. I know, um, I mean, I already have the great book series, but I mean, go out if you don't, everybody, if you don't have it, go out and uh, look on eBay and Facebook marketplace. Uh, you can find them. Um, I know I got mine for like a hundred bucks and I had to drive like half an hour. No, it was more like an hour uh to find it and it was kind of like you know meeting in this corner parking lot it's like oh is this pe person gonna show up or not but it was uh a little bit scary but it was worth it i got all of these great books and yeah uh, and i would say that like i think that the the reason for getting a liberal arts education for yourself is way more um important than necessarily getting it for your children now i think it's it's really important to push your children to do that but um I, I was really blessed to be homeschooled um, growing up. Um, and my mom was really not educated. <laughs> she just homeschools. Like she had one year of college and she, I don't know even how she got through that one year. <laughs> she said she just, just barely got through. But um, my dad was very well educated and, and, and he really encouraged my mom to, to get her own education. And, and so um I feel extremely blessed. We ha I have a very unique family culture where all my siblings are very, very close. Um, the cousins are very, very close. We have a really healthy relationships in our family. We are loving and kind and, but also will, you know, call us out as siblings in our crap and, and have intense discussions and disagree and, and not just be pushovers like, you know, but we have really beautiful relationships. And I would attribute that to my parents getting a liberal arts education i know that's kind of like a yeah. a weird way to do that but i think because you know i watched my mom and dad like reading you know les miserables and and you know dumas and and like all these great literature if you just read the great literature and then you could see their parenting change and them change in the perspectives of how they treated us and how they treated everybody else and how they there was like this this wisdom that i feel like my parents achieved as i watched them get their own education that just trickles down into you know how they act insert and and as grandparents and as leaders in the community that is just so unique and i honestly would would put it down to the fact that yeah my parents have read nietzsche and they've read these other like philosophers and other things um and they're constantly learning and they're constantly growing and they're constantly perfect like improving themselves and getting education and it trickles down into having healthy good relationships and a beautiful family culture because you're constantly trying to really define what it means to be a good human yeah um and so that's another thing i really i really try to encourage people is don't just do it for your kids like do it for yourself yeah and so many people they think they're getting into you know this homeschool thing for their kids and it's hard when you tell them well you need to learn something too yeah <laughs> yeah that's not nice 
<laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with them. But like one of the things that I've realized is like um I didn't learn to read till I was 12. So and we didn't have audiobooks. We we kind of we had CDs, but we only had one CD player and my sister stole it all the time. So it wasn't really like an option for me to like listen to audiobooks and I didn't really like listening to audiobooks. It wasn't. So like the whole like and my mom really didn't get into like she read us a few read aloud books, but she really didn't like find classics and stuff till I was older. My younger siblings got a way more than I did. And I really felt kind of gypped, like I didn't read these great classics, like these young childhood classics. And so um, I just started reading them with my kids. Like, you know, let's read Peter Pan and let's read Winnie the Pooh and let's read um, all these really great classics, children's classics. And it's been really amazing as a parent to read these books. And I really like Peter Pan's not for kids. Peter Pan's all about parents. It's about parenting. It really is. Like my, my, like personal awareness with how I help my children through their struggles was totally changed by Peter Pan. It was never the same. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because it talks about Mary or uh, Wendy and how Wendy is this mother figure. Right. And talks about all the things that Wendy did to heal the lost boys as a mother figure. And it was, I was like, as I'm reading this and the kids are just getting this really funny story like I'm getting out like oh my gosh like I could really be a better mother you know it talks about Mrs. Darling and how she like sits at the foot of her bed every every night before her children go to bed and cleans their thoughts and I was like oh that's why you have bedtime routines I'm supposed to sit there and talk and listen and listen to my children as they tell me what happened in the day that was upsetting to them or and so we changed our whole bedtime routine sit there with the boys and we listen to them right so I think like don't like if, if you're feeling like oh I can't do this I can't read Nietzsche or can't do these things like just do it with your children. Just, just like, okay, let's start here. Let's just start. Let's read Heidi. You know, let's, let's read um, these appropriate child, child, like according to my child's appropriate, but let's read it aloud or listen to it in the car everywhere we go. You know, we just recently listened to a bridge to Terabethia in the car. And as we go to different things we go to every day, which is going to be a long time. And it was so, oh no, we've listened to Bridge to Arbeth yet. That was so changing because we talked about, anyways, I don't have to keep going into that, but um, the we had great discussions as, you know, the story unfolds and we hear it. And then we listened to um, Old Yeller and that, that was so good to like, as soon as everyone's like done bawling in the car, they're stuck in the car <laughs> with you. They can't go anywhere. And so you can quiz them like, what's Old Yeller really about? What's Old Yeller really about? What's the story about? And my daughter's like, it's about how bad things happen in life and you have to mourn them and cherish them. And it's okay. I'm like, yeah, that's what Odell is about. You know, but like, you can't have those, you can't have those intense discussions if you're just doing busy work all day. You know what yeah. I mean? If that's what your homeschooling looks like. Yeah. Yeah. If you, I know when I was, um, when I was teaching and helping homeschooling families, I am still doing that, but I get to do it my way now. <laughs> but when I was a teacher and they would have to produce all of these things in order to check off all the boxes of the standards, um, there was so much busy work and and they got it so easy for families to get caught up in that because they would have to, it's like, oh, you know, we didn't finish this one. It's like, well, he, he showed that that he knows the concept. So that's okay, but he needs to finish. And it's like, no, no, just, he knows it. Don't do any more. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was, it's just a really hard concept because most of us have been 
just indoctrinated into this through our own education that, you know, it's like, you don't get the gold star unless you have gotten, you have filled out the worksheet completely and gotten it all right. And, you know, heaven forbid you actually fail, <laughs> you know, anyway, it's, um, yeah. Well, do you think AI is going to transform education? I mean, because that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for this full <laughs> transformation of of um, education. And I'm like, hoping that this is it. Should I keep hoping or is this have the potential? I think it has the potential, but I, I don't. So um, in the book that I was reading from, a great conversation um one of the things that he brings out about an institution of of the public school is is basically this idea that as we transitioned from the um agrarian model in society where you know 70 80 percent of the people were homesteading on farms to, to subsistence living right to factories that allowed us to not have that many people because farming could you know one farmer could produce enough food to feed, you know, thousands of people. Um, then all of a sudden we had a switch and what we <clears throat> what ended up happening, he says, is, is basically all of a sudden the adolescents that were needed on the farm were now needed a place to be babysat. <laughs> so he basically said, it's like, we, we needed this place where they could just go and be babysat. Um, and, and so that's when Dewey, came into being and said, well, let's, instead of just babysitting all these youths, they don't terrorize the cities or whatever, let's give them training in jobs so that they, after a certain amount of training, they can go straight into the workforce and work for us. So I think the problem that we have is that there's this mindset that the purpose of education is to prepare you for a job so you can be useful. And um, what I see for, for happening is that as long as that is the, is, the, is the means, as long as that's the means, AI tools will be tailored towards getting you really good at this job, right? Um, and not necessarily, so in, in, they can be like hyper-focused into producing these expert whatever in these certain areas and doing this work. Um, and the problem is, is that we're not, we aren't computers, we're humans. And um, that's why you see this really intense, crushing mental health crisis among our youth, because we can objectify humans into tasks or people who perform tasks. Um, because we just, that's, we don't function that way. We don't do well with that way. There's so much more to what it means to be human than just what you do. And that's kind of going back to what I talked about earlier with between the debate between Plato and Aristotle. And I think there's a happy medium between the two of them, in my own opinion. But I think where we're at right now is really a lot in the world of Aristotle, where you just need to learn things around you in the material world so you can function. And I think that unless the leaders and unless the pressure is put on to change the mindset of what education is and the purpose of education is, then the AI tools will just become hyper-focused to performing the same task as we've been trying to perform for the last, you know, 100 years in public schools. So it's up to us, basically. <laughs> yeah. 
the other thing that's really sad and and, and i think this has just always existed in humanity and uh, is that the line is that's the pareto principle that you've talked about like you hear sometimes is 30 percent of the people rise to the top and 70 percent of the people just stay below right so i think those parents who or those educators who grasp the power in learning to think their children and their meant their their pupils they'll become that 30 percent right and and that's one of the things actually this man who i met on the plane said he's like i'm really worried about what's going to happen because it's basically going to be this big shift between the haves and the haves nots and what you see right now where you feel like there's this big gap in in the haves and haves nots is just going to get really bigger a lot bigger um and so i think there's yes that's that's the thing is like if, it, if enough of us are, are educated and, and make choices and 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 become the leaders that push this then yeah we could see a change but i, I think we have to start opening our eyes to to, to be able to see what, what's 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 happening what's changing um so that's i guess it's yeah. a flip it's, i guess you could say it's a flip of a coin depending on who shows up to to engage in the battle <laughs> I, I guess i don't know okay I, i'm ready are you ready are you gonna yeah. come out and, and, and engage in battle with me <laughs> well you already are i mean like doing stuff like this we're presenting and and just giving people information and showing them things i think that's a huge part of it i think yeah. also just you know just not quitting just keep going i, I think it's hard the, the world of ai is is very overwhelming like if you just jump jump into it it can be overwhelming i feel like you're like oh the world's ending and we can create a superhuman computer that could kill us all <laughs> like it can be very like anxiety driven but i think i, I don't know I, I i've just humanity has always prevailed and we've always gotten through it and we've always improved like so yes there might be some dark times but um i don't see that being i see that us getting through them and being better so yeah. i i don't know like i think i think if especially as homeschoolers home educators uh i like that term better but as home educators i think that we have more flexibility and if we can step into that you know, and this, this new reality, we can really give our kids a huge advantage um, by teaching them how to be flexible, how to adapt to different circumstances, because our, you know, I have a 17 year old right now, and I'm looking at, you know, trying to visualize the future for him and, and, you know, help him see that vision. And it's kind of like, well, dude, I'm sorry, but hey, could go anyway, you you know, that future is, is, very unknown. Um, I mean, today we have, you know, things like social media managers. And, you know, when I was his age there, I didn't even know. I was, <laughs> I was learning to type on a typewriter. Okay. You know, I had to change ribbons and the whole thing. So, you know, where is he going to be when he's my age? I mean, hopefully flying cars are going to be around by then they keep promising that but um but who knows you know who knows yeah. and so um we just have to i feel like teach them how to be flexible how to be willing to fail 
and learn from it and go forward and not be destroyed by it because um i really feel like the current traditional school system failure is you know not overcomable in some some situations and um it has to be a learning experience and too often it's just it's just not so yeah it's it's interesting because in the book i quoted earlier great conversation he basically said he's like it's kind of absurd to think that you can adequately prepare someone for a profession mm-hmm. because he's like when i was a kid i wanted to be a horse ice delivery man <laughs> i mean this is age i mean this ages him this was written in like 1950s right so he was like a kid in the 1910 right when you know automobiles weren't a thing and refrigeration wasn't widespread yet right but by the time he's like there's like no nobody's driving horses around and carrying ice like that's like totally antiquated so it's like prepare you to do that like that's ridiculous right and then he he goes through a list of all the different career choices that he wanted to be when growing up and he's like none of them exist like literally none of them exist so it's like i think you you really do just like you know stephen wolfram said you do a huge disadvantage to your child if you pigeonhole them because then they can't, then they're useless. Once the technology changes, then they're useless. Right. So I like, I almost to the point where it's like, you know, everyone always asks their, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, Oh, I want to be a nurse or a doctor or these kind of things. It's like, no, 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 no. Like you need to stop asking that, you know, like, what do you want to discover and every day do? Right. What do you Mm -hmm. want to be doing every day? Do you want to be doing stuff with your hands? Do you want to be doing stuff with people? Do you want to be doing stuff with your mind? Do you want to be creating? Do you want to be building? You know, it's like if if you could pick a day and that's all you do all day, what does that look like? You know, and I think yeah. each one of your kids will tell something different. Like my son, he wants to be building all day. If his goal would just literally build Legos and weird contraptions and whatever, he just wants to build all day. Where like my daughter would just love to uh, create all day and whatever that creation looks like right so it's like that doesn't translate well to a career path right now but they're six and ten so like yeah i think it's just like a, like to be career-minded at this age and and even even when you're 18 to be career-minded i think is can be a little bit naive <laughs> yeah yeah like no i mean i i started Uh, my bachelor's degree and I was a business major within a year and a half I had switched my major to home economics and I was never I told myself I was never going to be a teacher because if I was going to teach I wanted to teach people who wanted to learn and I I hadn't seen them yet (laughs) yeah Um, that's another key thing is like uh, just not squishing, squashing your child's desire to learn, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I've, I got, my children aren't, they got my gene and reading is difficult for them. And I've really just tried to create an environment where we just, just know that there's so much joy and power that comes from learning to read and just tons of exposure. Right. So it's like, we started with the Magic Treehouse books and we just like read them and read them and read them in the car and everywhere and listened to them. And now my nine-year-old has discovered Harry Potter and that could be controversial, you know, we it's like whatever, but she I, has read Harry Potter, listened to it. She's listened to Harry Potter, each book. She hasn't got past the fifth book because they're too scary. 
And I told her, I said, don't read. If you're scared, just put it away. Just don't read. Like, I really, we've really encouraged our children to self-regulate, right? So um, if it's too scary, she just, she doesn't read it. So she hasn't read six or seven because they're too scary. And I agree with her. Honestly, I do. Yeah, those are. So if she waits for a year or two before she reads them, great. I think that's awesome. But she loves one, two, three, and four and half of five. Like she has listened to them like three times each now. And then she's come to me and she's like, mom, I want to read these books. I don't want to just listen to them. I want to read them. So we found like a set on Facebook marketplace for cheap. And this kid, like literally kid you not, she was reading, you know, magic tree house barely is now reading Harry Potter. Like. That's awesome. Yeah. Because she, she wants it. Right. And she's been exposed to it and she sees the power of the joy that it can bring to you. Right. So it's like, I think, you know, fostering that drive is so crucial in children and it can be easily squished. Right. If you just, you know, you have to do this and let's make reading a chore and let's make it painful and let's make it horrible. And let's make it every time you do it, we just cry. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm not yeah. saying that we don't do reading and we haven't like worked on our vowel combinations and our letters and stuff like that. But it's never been to the point where it's like she's crying and, she, you know, because it's, it's like so painful and terrible. Right. So, yeah, I think it's funny. My oldest, um, he really got into reading uh, with Harry Potter. He was like he, he didn't have the um, the challenges um, that uh your family has had but uh, what I did is I would read one chapter you know I think I read one or two chapters to him and I stopped and he's like mom you can't do this and I'm like well I've got to go put your brothers to bed you know here you take it <laughs> oh I think he was up the rest of the night you know thing but it got him hooked and it was like that big book was uh seemed overwhelming but as soon as he got hooked on to something and, and harry potter was what hooked him and it hooked our whole family we are huge harry potter fans in fact that same son we kept i keep telling him he needs to go back and get a master's degree and write a thesis on the leadership themes in in harry potter so. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah they definitely there's there i would consider them to be a classic in my opinion i think they they're powerful stories of the hero, the hero story. It's basically, you know, a very cool version of the hero story. And, and oh, yeah. it's, it's an archetypal in so many ways that way. And I think that's why it's was a worldwide phenomenal, you know. Yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. It, really, it really does touch on what it means to be human in so many it aspects does. of humanity. So. It does. And yeah, well, Tati, okay, we could just keep talking forever, which is. Yeah, we could. Such, <laughs> We're going to get so people much <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um which is uh, why we um love doing the podcast together so um again you know lemmyworks.com go check it out but thank you so much for um for doing this i really appreciate it and i'm so grateful that you could share all of that amazing information about ai yeah you're welcome thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the realizing genius podcast mm-hmm. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.